thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Related Views Podcast with Fig and Little. Related views, because, you know, we're related. A weekly podcast with Gen X versus Millennial views through lived experiences with life lessons we've learned along the way. It's the little things that make the biggest difference. You are now on with Big and Little. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Related Views Podcast with me, your host, Ken, a.k.a. Big, and my co-host, Tony, a.k.a. Little. Don't forget to hit us up on social media on Instagram at Related Views. You can also find us on YouTube on the Related Views channel. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. Very excited today. We had a special guest on today um, that I will introduce in just a minute. I just want to say a quick hello to uh, my co-host, Tony. How you doing, Tony? Ken, I'm doing great. Had a big weekend, big, big day, big week ahead. So I got um, my two dogs that are born together. They got their birthday coming up tomorrow. Today's, today's Tuesday, so it's Wednesday. I know this gets released on Friday as we discussed last week. But uh, yeah, yeah, so big week. I'm real excited. You see how I didn't jump in today and say happy Friday. I didn't I want to throw you way <laughs> off today, you know. There's a whole, a whole debacle last week about that. But... <laughs> Uh, so I'm really excited. We have a, a guest on today. We have Shannon Talbot. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist with over eight years of experience working in the mental health field. She works in an outpatient hospital setting and runs an intensive outpatient program, which addresses mental health disorders, as well as substance use disorders through a combination of group-based psychotherapy, individual therapy, family counseling, educational groups, and strategies for encouraging motivation. In addition, she has a small private practice in which she sees clients for individual couples and family therapy. She also co-facilitates a hope and support group, which provides safe and confidential space for parents, guardians, and others who are concerned about a loved one's substance abuse, use, or addiction. Shannon, I don't know how you have time to do anything else. <laughs> that's that's I, a lot. That was a great episode. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Add, add podcaster now to that. So we'll check yeah, that out. podcaster, yes. Yep, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wow, that is a lot. And, and my first question has to be, because we've talked about this on other episodes, right? Mm -hmm. So when you were starting out, was this exactly what you wanted to do? Or did you do something completely different and end up doing this? This is this was a later later on decision. So it when I graduated um, from college, I went to school to be a teacher. And the minute I stepped into a classroom and started student teaching, I realized maybe wasn't for me. But I finished. I got my degree, and then I went and worked at an insurance company for seven years. And um, as soul sucking as that was, it made me realize that I needed to make a change. And so I thought about going back to school. And it's interesting because I was seeing a therapist at the time. And because um, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and just I was unhappy in my job and where I was in life. And she mentioned to me just offhand, she's like, oh, yeah, maybe you'd be a good therapist. And that was it. Like, I was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to look into that. And then once I went to school and I kind of got into it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is 
the right path for me. So it, I became a therapist because my therapist complimented me. <laughs> what, what like a small moment, but a huge pivotal turning yeah. point of your life. It's I'm sure she doesn't even remember. Yeah. Moment, yeah. Yeah, she was, you. yeah. But I yeah. remember that for myself when I'm working with clients, like I remember like what I say to them, they truly listen, you know, and, and take that in because that was a, a small thing she said to me, but it, change the whole course of my career life so if you listen to the beginning and i say it's the little things that make the biggest difference right mm -hmm. on the intro and yep. this is one of those and it and it happens to us in our life that somebody says the the smallest thing and not even thinking it's going to create an impact on anything and mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things that we grasp and hang on to and it changes the direction of our life absolutely yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just like that. There's so let, let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about your job, what you do. Why don't you, like, I just listed all that stuff out. Yeah. That's just like credential the, stuff. The short yeah. version. Yeah. Of what you do. Um, well, I work with it. It's like a varying degree of people with different um, mental health disorders. Um, but in the intensive outpatient program, these people have just either been discharged from an inpatient hospitalization or are really struggling and may benefit from more therapy. And so it's it's people that are in a very pretty dark place. And um, so that is kind of my daytime gig. And then at night, I'm working with people that just on like a week to week basis, mostly doing individual and couples. Um, so that's a little bit of a different flow, I guess. Um, but one of the things that I think is important when you, you asked me to come on and talk about self-care is talking to people and dealing with these really serious and difficult subjects, I have to, have to take care of myself or I will just burn out and I won't be able to be a therapist anymore. I won't be able to do this job anymore. So sometimes I'm better at it than, other, than other times. Um, but it taught doing something like this and talking about it helps to remind me as well to hmm. do the things that like take some time off and yeah you know because i can it, get caught up it reminds me of the uh the analogy like on the plane when they they explain if it's going down mm -hmm. like put your own mask on first yep and help so you, you have to take care of yourself in order to help to take care of other people or yep one and of my favorite sayings is you can't you can't pour from an empty cup Mm -hmm. So you can't give to other people if you have given nothing to yourself. That's and great. it takes a lot to commit yourself to work. And I'm going to say a negative atmosphere, right? Because people, obviously people are coming to you and, and they have problems. They have issues. Yeah. And you, you're you listening to this all day. Now, mm -hmm. I, I talked about in previous episodes, I, I spent 28 years working in a prison. So right. it was a negative environment. You know, mm -hmm. so it was it was something that it took me a long time, many years to figure out what self-care is and how to start taking care of myself. I just carried that baggage, if you will, with yeah. me all along. So um, how do you how do you leave that behind? What do you do for yourself first? For, I mean, we can talk about what you do for others, but for yourself, how do you leave that behind 
at the end of the day, because it sounds like your day really never really ends, mm -hmm. you know, with all the, you know, with all your credentials, everything you do, how do yeah. you leave that behind? I, well, there's two things. So the first thing is it is a negative We're we're, you know, inundated with these sad stories and people just like expressing a lot of pain. And as a human being, it's hard to not take some of that on. Um, but I try to focus on the great thing about my job is that I get to see people get better. So especially in the intensive outpatient program. So it's like four to six weeks and people are coming like three to five times a week um, for several hours a day. So it's actually a pretty condensed amount of time. And by the time, from the time that they start to the time that they end, it's, it's nothing short of like a miracle because they really do. I'm not saying they're cured. Oh, you know, I'll never be sad again, but it is, um, I get to see the progress. And so that I try to hold on to the hope in that um, so there are bad things happening, but there is hope for the future. Um, that being said, I have a weird little ritual that I do for myself when I am driving home. I have this like big oak tree on the corner of my road. And so as I'm driving home, I mentally kind of just put all of my clients' problems in the tree and I just kind of, I'm like, okay, that's your home for the night. And then um, when I go to work in the morning or, you know, Monday after the weekend, I kind of like mentally pick them up again. And I'm sure like everything. A bus, like a bus stop. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> you're stop, you're, you get off here. So, but it's, it, that's just been my own visual way. I'm a very visual person. So that's been my visual way to create like a boundary. Because if I bring it home and I think about all of the problems of everybody else, I won't get any of my own stuff done. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of weight too. It'd be a lot of weight on your shoulders carrying mm -hmm. that yep. during, during the, uh, when you're not working. Yep. Did you find that you struggled with that at first? Mm -hmm. I know like I'm, I'm an overthinker, so I feel I'm constantly sitting around on the weekend or, you mm -hmm. know, going over what happened at work, going over here, going over. It, I do find it difficult to leave prop, like to, I guess, compartmentalize, yeah. you know, issues, you know, that I'm, I'm assuming that took some work. Absolutely. Well, it took me being really anxious a lot. I think that's what it leads to is because it comes down to you're thinking about the things that you have no direct ability to address in that moment. Right. So if I'm worrying about what some one of my clients is doing um, or just like something's lingering with me at the end of the day, it's like I couldn't do anything about it in that moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's that was a, le a, hard, a hard lesson to learn. Um, cause I would find, especially, you know, the, the word, phrase Sunday scaries people call it, but yeah. I would get that really, really badly. Um, because I would be like, what happened over the weekend? What am I going to be walking into on Monday? Um, yeah. and that, that's infamous in prison. <laughs> Sunday scaries. Yeah. You have no Sunday idea what you're Sunday walking out. into Monday morning. That's like everyday scaries for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
but I mean, that's actually a good point. Like I'm walking into work, not to prison. I guess I should be grateful. Yeah. yeah. So, so that idea of letting go what you can't, can't control. Mm -hmm. And that takes practice. Yeah. And it's like a constant practice. We constantly have to remind ourselves to do that. We, we talked about this a little bit last week and uh, mm -hmm. you know, my personal journey with the acceptance, practicing acceptance. I, you know, it wasn't like I, I figured this out or it, it was like something that was this aha moment. It was being, being in the environment of prison and just everything being so negative, having to come to the realization is I, I can't worry about things that I can't change. Yeah. Right. If there's nothing I can do to change it or this has happened, you know, I'm just moving on. I'm moving forward. I'm never going to look back and worry about those things. And I did for a long time. And I just I'm like, oh, my God, this is useless. I can't worry about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I just left it all behind me. And sometimes people say to me, they're like, why aren't you worried? I'm like, I can't change it. I mean, if I can't change it, why am I going to worry? I'm just in my mind. I'm just figuring out how do I make it better? Right. Mm -hmm. So I. You know, it's easy to say to people, like, just practice practice acceptance and accept the things you can't change, right? But to be able to do it, I think, is, you know, if you're put into a situation so many times, you figure out how to do it. Um, and if you could teach that to somebody, I mean, I think it'd be worth a million dollars, right? It's a million dollar idea if you could teach somebody that without having to put them through all those situations. The, the experience mm -hmm. of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about being mindful. That's mm -hmm. that's like the buzzword now, right? Just being it is. Mindful. It's very hot right now. Yes. But it's like a very, very human experience that we, we do all the time that we don't necessarily notice. Um, but it's really just like bringing our attention to what is happening right now in this very moment. Um, but like, kind of like you were saying, you know, worrying about what's going to happen. Our mind and our thoughts are just thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, their mind or their thoughts are thinking about like, oh, what did I do at work today? Or, you know, or maybe what happened 20 years ago that's still bugging me. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, well, This is a great song on the radio. <laughs> but that's, that's mindfulness, though. Yeah. Just like totally like zoning in on what is happening in that moment and like, getting in tune with like what's going on, like in your mind and in your body, like certain like sensations, um, like on knowing your five senses, like tuning into that. One of my favorite examples for, that I tell people is like, if, what do your clothes feel like on your body? Like, we don't think about that ever. Right. Like what, like <laughs> never, what is never once until right now. <laughs> right. Like, like what is your unless you have a sensory disorder about clothes then you know that's a completely different but yeah, i'm sorry go ahead yeah but it's it's also like breathing you know we don't we just automatically breathe and then when we start to pay attention to and control our breath what we're really doing is just redirecting our attention to what's happening in that very moment which is something so simple as breathing mm-hmm I, I used to go in probably 10 or 12 years into my career in the prison. Um, I discovered the casino and, and I, and I enjoyed going to the casino and I made it a thing that when I went to the casino, that I would leave my phone 
everything I'd leave in my wallet, everything I would leave in the car and I would just go in there. And I, sometimes I'd be in there for an hour. Sometimes I'd be in there for 12 hours, right? <laughs> just depending how well the day went. And I would get back in the car and people would be like, I've been calling you. And I'm like, yeah, I was busy. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, literally I was busy and I ran a business and, and everything else. But I just found that that was like that re-energized me just to like disconnect from everything in my life and just walk in there and just completely focus on what I was doing there, you yeah. know, and, and it probably wasn't the healthiest environment, but that's where I started to begin to realize what, what I, what I find to be being mindful, just to be in the moment, to be focused mm -hmm. and to be enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, our phones are probably the biggest distraction ever too. Yeah. You know, how can you be mindful when you're like, you're, you're not in your mind, you're like in, in your phone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just crazy that you can't go anywhere. You can't drive down. You can't pass somebody on the highway without them looking at the phone or talking. It's just, it's, yeah. it's crazy how these phones have taken over our mm -hmm. whole life and people expect. And, and, you know, I, I bet you, you two are exactly like this. If I'm calling you and you're not answering, I'm like, I know you see me calling. I know, you know, I'm calling, right? I hope there's a good reason you're not answering that phone. <laughs> So it's, I, I just, and, and I think that way. So I know everybody else thinks the same way, you know? So when someone calls me and I don't answer do they think, Hey, he saw it and just, it just ignored me, you know? So, and that, that's a whole other level of, you know, yeah, I've worry. I've talked yeah. in a couple past weeks, how, how my thing is going out to, to music shows. That's when I can just mm -hmm. let it all go. And I get lost in the music and I watch. So I guess, what I'm hearing, like the first step of the ad advice is find the thing that you can let go to, you know, find the, I guess that would be my, my new advice to someone, like find what your, your releases, you know, your let go. Yeah. Um, what can distract you from everything else that's, that's weighing on your focus on And enjoy focusing on. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think everybody hears mindfulness and they automatically think meditation mm -hmm. and and then I always hear people say, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. And um, but meditation really is just paying attention to your thoughts and your feelings without judgment. That's the biggest part that without judgment. So it's like, you know, of course, we tune into our thoughts now and then, but then we're constantly judging them after. Yeah. Um, so it's really just kind of like. Like becoming aware of your thoughts and feelings and like, rather than getting lost in them, just kind of acknowledging them. But, but you know, isn't, like, that, isn't that the danger zone for a lot of people though? Their own thoughts. Our mind. It, yeah. Isn't, I mean, isn't that the, sometimes like, like Tony, you just talked about the music. Like I just let go with the music, but isn't that like taking you away from your own thoughts, like turning off your thoughts and, and focusing on something else? Is it, um, is, I mean, I, I, I would think the, like, I've never meditated, right? So I, I am not going to be one to say, but I think, I think a lot of the problems like that we have come from our own thoughts, like what, what we believe and think and really, and, and we're, we're sensing so much negativity and danger mm -hmm. and things that we're just created in our own mind that aren't really true around us. Yep. So, so I know Shan's the expert here. 
but I would like to give a little two cents uh, on just what you said with, with the music. And even when I ride my motorcycle, I think those activities help not to shut off my thoughts, but narrow them and, and kind of quiet them down where I can actually, I've used a lot of good concerts to come to conclusions by the end where I'm actually able to, cause I'm, I can't sit there talking to anyone or this and that cause the music is so loud and it's like, I have the music going and I'm alone with my thoughts almost. And that's, that's how, that's my meditation. That's how I can sort out this from that, from that, from this. So I guess it's not like a total release, but it is a guidance for me at least. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there's different forms of meditation too. Like music is a great, a great example. Um, art, people creating art, you know, you're doing something with your hands, you're creating, but you're really focused on that thing. And what it is, is like Tony, you said, you're having thoughts, but you're not sitting there judging your thoughts. You're listening Freaking to the music. Them, yeah. You're, you're just like kind of free flowing and thinking and being like very much aware and in that moment and just enjoying that experience. Mm. But you go to concerts and you see people on their phone and they're not enjoying, <laughs> you know, like they're not fully there. So like if you're at a concert and you're, you're watching it and you're, you're taking it all in and you're smelling the smells and you're seeing the lights and you're hearing the music like, and fully experiencing it, that means you're present in the moment. Mm. And that's really what we miss out on a lot. That's it. <laughs> yep. That's so, it. So here's something interesting is I have a friend that I met a lot of friends at the casino and I have a friend that still goes a lot and he goes to all the shows and he had called me last week and he said, Mohegan has got this brand new thing. When you go to a show, when you go to walk in, they have this case and you have to put your phone inside of it and it locks your mm. phone in there. Mm -hmm. And then you just carry this. You can't open this thing until you leave. So you go into the show with this case with your phone inside that you can't get to. I said, there's got to be people in there trying to bust it open. I mean, people are addicted <laughs> to being in these phones. Like, I, yeah. I, But he said, no, you have to wait till you leave. And they wand this thing over, it opens mm -hmm. it up, and you take your phone out. And you. So maybe it's not. I mean, I know they're doing it because they don't want you filming mm -hmm. and things like that. But it maybe it. Maybe it maybe help people to be more in the moment, right? Not to I worry was, about that yeah, phone. A two on there. I can't I tell you how many how, how many people I photobombed, you know, at <laughs> shows at Mohegan Sun where they'd be every time they pulled that phone up, I'd be behind them. I would jump right in. I would jump right in there behind them. You know, hey, you know, and just just to be funny, right? Why yeah. not? You well, know, I went to a comedy show and they had the envelope thing where they seal it up, and I paid attention to how I was feeling. And I had a little bit of panic at first. Like, what if there's an emergency? And it's like, well, there's not going to be an emergency, you know? And eventually, like once the show started and I, it did help you be more present in watching the show. And I realized I remembered more of the jokes and everything like that. Yeah. And if I, I probably at some point, like I hate to admit it, would have checked my phone. Mm -hmm. Of course. I, think th I think that's one of the biggest problems is just not being present today. Like mm -hmm. just people just aren't present. And is it because of our phones? Is it because of so much everything that we're worried about in the world or things going on? But I think, you know, people just not being present is probably one of the, the biggest issues we have in the world today. 
I agree. Of all ages, from young kids, all the, all the, I mean, everybody is is distracted. There's so much stimulation all the time now, mm -hmm. yeah. which they didn't have a couple hundred years ago, or or even out fifty years ago. Right. Yeah. I think so. people are kind of scared to be with their themselves a little mm -hmm. bit. People are scared for what? To be with themselves, like kind of like you said, like we look at our thoughts sometimes as our enemy um, and our feelings too. And like we, we have so many possibilities to distract us that we don't feel like we have to feel those difficult things, mm. you know? And it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling crappy. So I'm just going to like eat this batch of brownies or I'm <laughs> going to, you know. Even play. though I know it's going to make me sick and not make me feel any better. Right. Or I'm going to play this video game all night long. You know, it, yeah. it, we, I think a lot of us are just really f afraid to feel uncomfortable feelings, mm. but that catches up to us after a while. Yeah. Well, they suck. No one wants to feel those feelings, hey, but they the will worst... suck more because they will get more suckier as time yeah. goes on. Yeah. And, and yeah, the worst thing is when you really enjoy doing something and you really look forward to it and it gets to a time in your life when you do it and you're like, yeah, this wasn't as great as it, I thought it used to be. And that to me, that's, that's the worst feeling, anything. Like you really look forward to doing something, you know, like yearly or whatever. And then you go do it this particular, and you're like, and it's not so great. And it's not as, it's like watching a movie that you watched when you were a kid and you thought it was the best movie ever. And then you put it on now and you're like, oh, my God, this is like the worst movie. You know, it's like the buildup in your mind sometimes is bigger than what the, you know, the actual event is. Right. So, yeah. So that to me, that as you get older, those things that aren't as don't make you feel as good anymore. Those, those are the things that bother me, you know. But you're, getting but old, you're, you're getting old. <laughs> yeah, but you're talking to a guy that four years ago didn't have a hobby. My only hobby was going to the casino once a month. Yeah. Right now, now I golf. Now I'm into trading cards, and I, you know, like I do, I'm doing so many other things now that a that I, yeah. Well, yeah, your your interests can change, and you're finding new things that make you, yeah, and the people, yeah. And the people, which is really like being around different people. Like I have a group that I golf with. I have a group that I do trading cards with. I mean, the, you know, most of my life, I only had a couple friends that I would do things with, you yeah. know, very rarely because I was so busy with everything else. And now it's just nice to have all these people, these, you know, developing these really good friendships, you know, is, is important to me. It's, 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 to me, it's, it's, it's part of my self care you know, to have these, have these friends. Yeah. hundred percent. So, so that's, a, that's a good segment into what kind of advice do you give people? So, you know, when we have people that are always helping other people, like constantly helping other people and, 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 and they carry this emotional debt from mm -hmm. all these other people, what kind of advice do you give them to, to try to like sh shred these people or, you know, not shred, but shed, shed these people or to to limit what what kind of like advice people that kind of like suck your energy yeah yeah i mean something that we have to do but is really 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 hard to do is like know what your boundaries are and then set those boundaries 
I am, that's it's been a learning curve for me because I always feel like I, me setting a boundary with somebody, it's going to make them upset or which it may, mm. but, um, you know, I, I was, I'm kind of that person admittedly where it's like, I want everybody to like me and I don't want to upset anybody. And if I say no to them, then they'll be upset with me. Um, but then you realize how much you're saying no to yourself by saying yes to everybody else. And um, that, that you can't sustain that for too long. Mm. Um, so it's just finding those things that you can say no to. And then a lot of it, like you said in the beginning, is the acceptance of that they're going to have their reaction you know, and their reaction is not necessarily my responsibility. Or in your control, as we talked exactly. about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it, we're afraid to hurt other people's feelings by saying no, or look, I can't do this anymore. That's just too much for me. And I think a lot of us just start by not answering the phone right? or, or, or not responding, you know, because we know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think, it, it in order to set boundaries like yeah you can just ignore people's phone calls all the time but like we sometimes what we do is we just try to set a boundary in a passive way by like oh i'm just gonna ignore you but that will hurt somebody's feelings more yeah. than if you just communicate by saying like hey i had a really busy week can i catch up with you next week yeah. like there's ways to say no to people that you're not just like saying no, I don't want to Maybe alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So because if you don't answer the phone, what they're going to do is they're going to fill in the blanks. And they'll be like, oh, this jerk, like, you know, they're they're ignoring me. And, and then they're going to think of the worst case scenario, probably. So it a lot of it is just like communicating with people where you're at. Yeah, you don't you don't want them to hate you, but you just want to. I guess you're right. Set a boundary just to say, yeah, this is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a little bit ago, you, you talked about the emotions and the mind that we all know everyone's first thing, you know, on their, their self-care, I feel is the physical. Can you tell us about the connection that you found between the three, the physical, the mental, the emotional well-being? Mm -hmm. Think about like, when you aren't feeling good emotionally, like if you're sad, you're anxious, all of these things physically start to fall away too. Like one of the biggest ones is sleep, mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm feeling a certain way, my sleep just gets affected and that physically starts to add up. I get more tired. I get more grouchy. Um, I'm, I'm less motivated, you know, so I'm not exercising as much and things like that. Um, but when we're paying attention to our physical health, when we're getting enough sleep, when we're exercising, um, when, like Ken said, when we're making really good, uh, connections with people that feeds us a lot too. Um, it's just, they're, they're just so connected. And yeah. I think that they're just starting to like put this together in like the medicine, like the healthcare field that like mental health is actually important to a lot of people um, in healing physically. And I think that was like uh, your last episode or two episodes ago, right? With Samantha. About, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They, they're all hand in hand. I mean, there's, 
I listened to this guy for years as a college athlete, um, division one college athlete, and then through as a coach, um, Tim Kramer was his name. His, his game was golf. And he said for years, you know, we talked about the physical for years. We talked about the mental, but no one ever addresses the emotional. And that was his game. It's, it's funny. I actually just got an email. He did like a quote of the day and he just sent one two days ago saying, you know, I, I I've got some health issues. I can't do it anymore. So it's funny that comes up now, but um, it, it was all about, the destination can never feel any better than the journey did all along the way. Like if you're not having a good time and it's not going to end the way you think it is, it's, it's all about the experience, not about the end of the road. Right. And like, I just, if you think of athletes, like the, the mentality of like their beliefs about their own ability, their beliefs, you know, like so much negative thought, Mm -hmm. like, and dealing with that and like their confidence and self-esteem and, there's so much emotion that goes into it and they're not going to perform at their peak physical performance. If they have a true belief that they can't do it. Mm-hmm. There's no way your, your eyes are a projector. They're not, you know, they, they will give the day. What will happen is what you're thinking and not vice versa. They say um, seeing is believing, but believing is seeing. Yeah. I agree with that. So yeah. go ahead, Kim. No, I was just going to ask you. So when people come to you and say, hey, like I'm sad in my life or, you know, just things aren't very good in my life or they're seeking happiness. I mean, what kind of direction? Where, where do you, where would you start with something like that? Where would you say, you know, here's the best place just to start to feel happy or to be happy with yourself or happy in your life? I will tell you when I ask people what their goal is for therapy, I would say 95% of the time is they say to be happy. And then I have this spiel spiel with them that I say, well, happiness is one emotion, right? And we have moments of happiness in our life. And it's about appreciating them, you know, being aware of them, being grateful for them. Um, The thing is, we can't be happy all the time. It just isn't possible. And so sometimes their goal is like, I need to be happy, but they don't really understand what their goal is. And so I try to redirect them to what would it look like for you to be content? So content is more like a stable state of being. And what when you're content, you can still have feelings of happiness. You can have feelings of anger or um, sadness. But if you're content, what you're doing is you're dealing with these feelings in a healthy way. And so I think a lot of it is just like in, when we think about happiness, it's really defining it in a, in a realistic way. Because if we, if we have this like huge expectation out there that like, Oh, I have to be happy. um, It just isn't reachable because we're not happy all the time. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. Cause that's just part of the human experience. But um. I say to people, if you're happy all the time, then I'm probably more concerned about <laughs> you. Want to know, you want to know what they're on. That's a mental illness. No. Yeah. You, can't, you can't have happy without sad. There's got to be an equal opposite side right. of the spectrum. You know? Right. If you're happy all the time, then it wouldn't be happy anymore. That would be content. Right. Right. And so it's, it's in those moments of happiness, it's finding the things that you like to do. Going to a concert, going golfing, going to the casino. Um, doing a podcast, you know, like it is, it is finding those things. And in that moment, 
appreciating it. And that's where the mindfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I have a, a Jeep Wrangler. And when the weather finally, hopefully gets nicer, I put the top down. And it, I, in that moment, it is like the best feeling ever. And I, even if I'm driving like five minutes, I pay attention to how that feels. Yeah. You know, and like, even if my day, the rest of my day is sucky, like that five minutes, I'm like, that was good five minutes. Turn the radio up just a little louder. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. wind in my hair and it's it just, a little harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like feel it, right? Like, you know, that feeling of like, yeah. oh, it's nice. I'm sure you have a lot of people come to you like, you know, like a diet, you know, like I want to lose weight and yeah. I want to lose it all in a week, you know, and I want to be happy mm -hmm. and I'm here and I'm, I've hired you and I need to be happy by next week or by the end of the month or, you know, I'm yeah. sure that they, they come to you with these demands or these thoughts mm -hmm. that you're going to cure them, cure mm -hmm. all their, what ails them. Yep. And medication, you know, the magic pill, yeah. looking for the magic pill and, but yeah. the people really, and you can, like, I've always thought the magic pill, the, the medication was to help them why they're working towards whatever they're working towards. And then when they get there, then they don't need the medication. The medication was like a, was like a tool that mm -hmm. helped them get there. But I, I, like today, I don't think anyone ever gets off the medication, right? It depends on what, um, you know. The severity of the disorder and you know um there are people that it's kind of like if you break your leg and you need crutches you know you need to use the crutches to help you walk and eventually you can learn to walk on your own but there are people with you know schizophrenia or bipolar disorder who literally the medication helps regulate their brain chemistry so that is very different um but yeah, taking like an antidepressant. And, and I do think that people become pretty reliant on them. Yeah. Um, they they come to believe that they can't do it without the medication. And like you said, Tony, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Like, you know, if they believe That's they the can't. Belief. It's, it's true. It's reality. Yeah. They created yeah. this reality. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of what I do in the beginning of when I work with people is setting realistic expe expectations about what therapy is. Um, I'm not doing the work. If I find that I'm doing more of the work than you are, then we got a problem because yeah. <laughs> I can't change you. Yeah. Um, I always found when you're trying to help people and you're do you're trying to help them more than they're helping themselves, then you know, I, I've identified that now. I used to do that my whole life. I've identified that quick now. And when mm -hmm. I find myself in that situation, I honestly, I just come out and say, if you can't do this for yourself, I'm not going to do it for you. You yeah. can't do it. It's not even you won't do it. You can't yep. do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that was something I had to learn as a therapist, though. Um, you know, realizing that, like, it's not in my hands at all. Yeah. I can be there to support you. I can be there to reflect back to you. I can be there to give you some coping skills that you might not know. Um, but at the end of the day, like that, all of that change has to come from within the person. And I had to deal with my own frustrations or feeling like I failed somebody when they didn't make those changes. It's out of your control, though. It's very mm -hmm. much like the coaching. I can only 
coach someone as good as they want to work to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. What do you coach? Um, I was coaching division one springboard diving. I also run a gymnastics facility through the YMCA. Where'd you swim? I swam, um, I swam for Cheshire high, Cheshire cool. high school on the girls swim team. Yep. Um, but then I swam for the Cheshire Y and the Southington Y back in the day. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. Small Shout world. Huh? I always, I always meet someone in the swimming world. Yeah. But for swimming, talk about mental. Whew. That is, that is mental with yourself. Because mm-hmm. you are you are racing against other people, but like I, the biggest person I was racing was me. My best time, my you know, always like, you, right? You're always competing against yourself. Yeah, everyone now. It doesn't matter where you place. It's you know, it's all it's all to you. Mm-hmm. But or, anyway. or the springboard diving, <laughs> that's got to be really mental. You know, I yeah. You're all well, yeah. but you're all alone up there on the board. <laughs> That's you have to be really you have to be really in tune to your body and where mm-hmm. it is and where your limbs are going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a gymnast for years. So that came pretty naturally. But yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. So as we close out, uh just talk to me about self-care and why it's why I mean, I think we know why it's so important, but what kind mm-hmm. of advice do you give people? How do they find like I know I was lucky. I was able to find the things that made me happy and people and hobbies. And, and, you know, I, and I say too, when we talked about this very early on that um, I created a great supporting cast around me. Mm -hmm. Right. So I created, I found people that, you know, I felt that could help me along the way as much as I could help them. So as I, as I, when I retired from, from, from the prison and I started, started finding things that I enjoyed, I had people around me that I was able to kind of look up to and get, you know, find things that they enjoyed to try them out, try this, mm-hmm. try that, just, you know, kind of trying things out. What, what kind of advice do you give people as far as self-care to, you know, how to, how to figure out what, what really works for them? Because like I go, I go for Manny Petties every two weeks. Right. But nobody I know, not one person, a friend, male, anybody I know that does that. I had to figure that out on my own. Like, right. this is what I enjoy doing. This so is they're missing out part of my self care, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know how to, like, how would you give advice to people that go find something that they may not even know would interest them? I mean, yeah, you, you do. You're right. You have to try it. You have to be willing to try new things and understanding. Like, it's like I was saying with the Jeep, it's like finding those little moments and being in tune of like, oh yeah, this makes me happy. Like maybe I could do something with this, you know, like, um, you know, you mentioned having a motorcycle, like at some point you had this idea, like, oh, that might be something that I enjoy, you know, and you have to try it. Um, And not everything you're going to try is going to be the (laughs) right. Not that. (laughs) I took a painting class and I really like, it was, I was like zenned out doing it, but my paintings were but, I'm not but, gonna say I'm not gonna talk down on myself. They were they weren't the best in the class, yeah. but I had I the, the journey. Hey, I, yes, exactly. I play I play golf with Tony. Right? So. Stop, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Tony loves to play golf. 
I love to play golf and I am, and you know what? Golf is something that I do not put myself down for. Like I, I just go out there and I'm like, ah, whatever. I I just play. But like, and a lot of other things, I don't think that like that. So that to me is like a peacefulness. Yeah. I'm not being self-judgmental and things like that. Yeah, yeah, but golf, golf either sucked or a pro. There's no in between. Exactly. That's exactly what my dad said. He goes, if you played consistent golf, you'd be a, um, a pro by now. Yeah. Okay. And, and what I figured out, too, it's so much in your head. Like, mm-hmm. you know, especially with golf, where I sit there and I concentrate and I was very stiff and like really wanted to do this. And 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 probably about 70 percent of my shots worked. Right. And 30 percent. I don't even know where they went. But this year, starting out this year, mentally, I was just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go up. I'm going to swing and hit the. And I've I've developed this whole new relaxed swing and what I'm doing. And I just find that things are like good things are happening that I'm just like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You're happy no matter what. That's Tim Kramer's thought. You got to be happy regardless of your shot or else Mm -hmm. you're already. Yeah. 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 Being in the moment. Right. Well, I, I know we're running out of time here because we got something to do at seven, but there's mm-hmm. we, we have one question we always ask now, everyone. Ken, you, you want to take it take it away? No, go ahead, you do. All right, I'll take this one. Yeah. Um so if you now could talk to a younger version of yourself and give give her the advice, you know, one piece of advice, best advice you have. Um, I don't know what version of yourself you'd like to give it to, but uh, you know, what what would it be? Well, I have a joke and then I have a true, a real answer. So the first one is you're not as fat as you think you are. And the, the second one is it really is to be kind to myself and honestly pay more attention to what's in front of me. I feel like I don't remember high school that well because I was so busy in my head, you know, and I think that's typical of teenagers a lot. And I, you know, luckily I actually was in high school before the phone, you know, the way they are and and everything, but I still found those distractions. And I was always thinking about all these things that didn't matter. And so I would definitely tell myself to just like be, be more in the moment and, and appreciate the things that are happening in front of you. Because I think life flies by so much quicker. And if we can be in the moment, we can in a weird way, kind of drag that out, not drag it out, but yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Along it. Yeah. For better, yeah. for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's sad that we spend most of our life thinking less of ourselves than the people around us, mm-hmm. you know, that the people mm-hmm. around us think so much more highly of our, of us. And we, we we're so critical of ourselves that we think less of ourselves than the people around us. And sometimes just getting, you know, getting to realize that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know you, you put it out as what your first one was as a joke or whatever, but sometimes we're just so critical as our, of ourselves that, you know, we don't need to be that. And that too could be part of our self care or just, you know, being more happy, being just, kind just, to yourself, yeah. just liking ourselves. Yeah. Right. A little more. I, I ask myself now when I say something negative to myself and I ask, would you say that to another person? And if I wouldn't say it to another person, I'm like, why would you say that to yourself? Yeah. And so that's been, that helps me to keep it in check a little bit, but it's, you know what happens? It's just, 
we got to be mindful. <laughs> it's all about mindfulness. It is. <laughs> Well, Shannon, thank you so much for being on. And, and we're going to ask you to come back maybe in season two and we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll catch up and uh, see huh? where you're at and see if you've added any more jobs onto what you're already doing. I hope not. I hope I can get rid of some. <laughs> I, I seriously might add podcaster. I'm thinking, yeah. no. There you go. Absolutely. So you have to have us on. Careful though, Ken struggled saying all those things, so we can't do many more. <laughs> so, well, I want to thank everyone for listening. And if you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. Tony, Shannon, thank you. And uh, we'll great. talk to everyone soon. Take care. Thank, thank you, you again, Shannon. Bye. Bye bye.